Hello and welcome back to The Mentors. This is Vadim and Sergey. And yes, of course you're listening to a show where we tell you stories of ordinary people that became extraordinary entrepreneurs, leaders and creators despite lack of experience, money or, or connections. connections. That's right. Today is part two of our episode with Natalie Kogan. And in part two, we'll learn a lot more about a bunch of things. One of which, of course, and you've probably been waiting all week to hear about this since hearing part one of the episode, is how Natalie actually built her company, Happier. You can find out more about it on happier.com. So she talks about a few things. First of all, how she was able to overcome burnout and how she found passion to reinvent her business and start anew after taking a bunch of time off and building it into even a bigger business than it ever was before. She also talks about how she came up with her method of teaching the skills that she does and why she thinks things like emotional intelligence are very much so skills that can be learned, not just something that someone has innately. Of course, some people are born a little bit more with it than others, but skills that absolutely can be learned. We also touched on the fact that, let's face it, motivation, happiness, fulfillment, that whole space as a genre is quite competitive. And Natalie, I think, figured out a model that is quite differentiated. And she talks us through how she figured out the differentiation and how she applied her own personality to make this business what it is today. One quote that stood out for me from this interview with Natalie was this. We derive meaning when we bring our strengths in service of something or someone else. Now, you're going to hear exactly how Natalie went about doing it for her business, but I think that you'll also be able to translate it into your own life as you start to look for those signals to let you know when you're working on something that actually creates a lot of fulfillment in your life. Please enjoy part two of our conversation with Natalie Kogan. We derive meaning as human beings when we bring our strengths in service of something else or someone else or a craft, right, that we're developing. That's where we derive meaning. And so do that little exercise with yourself and think back. You know, I talk about, there's a whole practice around this that I talk about in my book where do this little workshop with yourself. Go and make a list of all those moments that felt that way and then think about what you might want to do more. But um, I'm really passionate about the fact that meaning we can discover that by really looking within our day-to-day -day and the things we've done. We don't have to have a breakdown or, you know, give up everything in our lives to find it. Uh, I really love that. And uh, and Vadim and I have seen that to be true in our lives as well. But one thing that I want to, to dig into a little mm. bit here is, and maybe we can start from that uh, moment or series of moments where you started to recognize for yourself that speaking is something that gave mm. you pleasure, that teaching uh, others and imparting maybe what you've learned and what you've discovered in your life gives you purpose. You know, there, you you mentioned this notion of mm. follow the things that make you feel good, that things that you feel maybe that you're good at. But there's also the other side of that coin, which is that you yourself, you know, you were with this company that had, uh, let's say, a million people to use the app, and you had a technology company you were building. You were starting to discover this, so you know, you knew still that you had to build a successful company, or at least one of the the ways you were going to impact the world is by having a company that was successful, self-sustaining, help you pay your mm -hmm. bills, help, you know, your employees pay your bills. So you still had to face that practical reality. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. can you talk about how, you know, that process of, uh, and how you kind of reconcile the process and the speed at which you kind of follow what you want to do, but then actually apply it in a way that can help you sustain doing that thing every day and how you did it for yourself with Happier? 
Totally. It's a really great question. Yeah, it's a great question. And I actually, I'm going to answer it. Um, maybe I'll connect to the speaking, but I think it's a great story around Happier, right? And like, where did the company come from and how did I start it? Because it goes, in retrospect, it's, I just started doing that thing that comes most naturally to me. And that is sharing what I learned with others. So, um, so this was 2011-ish, I guess, broadly, 2010, 11, 12, that, that time. And I, at the time, was uh, the VP of consumer experience at a company called Ware, where I ran the full design UX consumer experience team. You know, that's what I'd done at Microsoft. That was my t- uh, technology path. And we'd ended up selling the company to PayPal successfully. And so I'm not a, I'm, PayPal is a wonderful company. I'm just not a big company person. Also commuting from Boston to San Jose was not a thing uh, with a young child. And so um, the reason I start there is it kind of, um, it was this transition. It was an obvious transition moment in my life. I knew I was going to, you know, and I first, by the way, I started, I went and I interviewed at Facebook and even, you know, lots of other companies and and on the East Coast, I was just going to stay on the same path. But it kind of gave me a little time to pause. And what really hit me in, in that time is I was completely burnt out. And not necessarily my full kind of exhausted, full-on burnout came later, actually, in the middle of happier. But I was burnt out in that I was unfulfilled. And I uh, literally uh, stumbled into research on happiness. Um, It was in a a book by Tony Shea, Mm -hmm. uh, Delivering Happiness, the founder of Zappos. In the back in the appendix um, was all this research on emotional health and happiness. And my father is a scientist, so I'm a geek in that regard. And I was super curious. So I started reading all this research and it just it was completely insane to me what I was reading because it ran counter to how I thought about happiness and emotional health, right? I thought happiness is something you struggle to achieve and you have to achieve your way into. Um, and I thought you had to do really big things to feel good, get permission. And here's all this research that was saying absolutely the opposite, that your emotional health is a necessary input into fulfilling life, not an output, that it actually helps you be more successful. And then all these small things you can do to cultivate it. So long story short, I kind of, you know, denied this research for a while, but then because I was feeling so unfulfilled and exhausted and unhappy, and I had this amazing life, I wasn't enjoying any of it, I decided to give it a try. I actually went on this 30-day gratitude experiment um, that I think I, I share this in my book, and there's I know videos of me talking about it. And what happened, I mean, you know, the punchline I found at the company to share it with others, but what happened is, and this is the kernel that I want to really focus on is it made such a meaningful difference in my life. It made a difference in how I felt and how my relationships um, with my family, with others. And I immediately, my reaction to that was, oh my God, I have to share this with others. And in that moment is the learning, right? So my way that I derive meaning is when I teach other people things that I have learned that have worked for me, right? So in that moment, in what I'm describing, that's my way. I'm not saying it's everyone's way, but my way. In that moment was the first inkling of I'm a natural teacher. And if I look back at my life, I've always been like that. Whenever I learned something that made a difference for me, I would always want to share it with others. My first internship in the States, um, 
I worked for, when I was in college, it was this company in New York, not a company, nonprofit. It's called the Lawyers Committee for Human Rights, and they help asylum seekers get representation. And I had this internship there. And, you know, it was amazing, but it's a typical nonprofit, so disorganized, all this kind of stuff. And I kind of figured out a way to be a great intern. And before I left, I wrote a whole manual for how to be a great intern. No one asked me to do it. It's just, that's my natural thing, right? What was I talking about? They gave me meaning. It was at ease. It was on flow. So if I look back at my life, I've always done that. Whenever I learned something that was of benefit, my way to derive meaning was to share it with others. And Happier started the same exact way. I had experienced the benefits of this research. I had talked to my friend's Mm -hmm. ears about it. My friends, nobody wanted to talk to me anymore because I wouldn't stop. And so then I said, wait a second. If this works for a tortured Russian Jew like me, I know it can work for millions of people. I'm going to start a company helping people do that. Boom. I started the company. I started Happier to share what I learned and made a difference for me with other people because I was tapping into my sense of meaning. What brings me meaning is to teach other people things that will benefit their lives. The genesis of happier was in the moment that I connected to my sense of purpose. I didn't use these words at the time, but it was very clear to me. Fast forward um, two and a half years, we built this very successful app. Many, many hundreds of thousands of people were doing it. I raised venture money, again, on the outside, all amazing. But two things were happening. One, it was becoming really obvious to us that Anyone who was using the app that didn't have a deeper foundation in the science, in this research, they were not staying on the app. So what was becoming clear is we need to teach. It's going to require much more teaching. And the second thing that was going on is I was completely burning out. And then I hit rock bottom and it wasn't just physical burnout. It was because I'd never in my life allowed myself to be kind to myself or to accept difficult feelings. And running a startup was just a catalyst to all of it. And then what I did to get myself out of this really dark place and to heal myself, and I did so much hard work and I had a really unexpected, wonderful teacher. But then when I finally got out of that dark place, I said, oh my God, this is what I want to teach others. I'm going to change Happier. Happier is not a technology company. Happier is a learning and development company. This is the method I used for myself. It's backed by science and a lot of spiritual background. I'm going to develop it. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to speak about it again. What was that moment? It was me tapping into what is it that gives me meaning? It's sharing what has worked for me with others. And so I'm hoping I'm answering your question. That's how speaking emerged, right? Because that's when I said, okay. And that's when that moment with speaking happened. And I realized this is when I'm on stage, I am teaching. I am sharing what worked for me with others, you know, with research and all the other stuff. But, you know, the reason I went through this whole kind of story is, to highlight that it was in the moments when it wasn't what should I do, but it was, oh, this gives me meaning that actually allowed me to create a company that sustains me, sustains my family, sustains other people, and has now helped you know hundreds of thousands of people in really meaningful ways. I think a lot of people might be listening and they're, they're almost feeling jealous because they want to not have should thinking. They want to figure out how to be able to be kind to themselves, Mm. something that you've been able to accomplish. And obviously they should, first of all, go to happier.com and check out what (laughs) you have to talk about, because obviously this it's really impactful, not just a plug, but clearly there's a lot more that to dig into here that we wouldn't be able to in this episode. And and you have a ton of amazing content that they should check out. But you just said you worked a lot on yourself. For people that are trying to work on themselves, do you think it was instrumental 
into having a teacher? Because you mentioned there briefly that you did have someone, maybe it was like someone that helped Uh you have accountability as well, but someone that helped guide you along that path. Is that pretty key to the process? So I think yes. Um, And this is why, by the way, this is why we created, and this isn't a plug at all. It's just the why. It's why we created a happier work program where we go in and we work with companies. We teach these skills to teams. It's why we have a leadership program. Uh, We just launched this fall an Elevating Women Leaders program where um, we're taking 16 women executives and leaders and entrepreneurs through this year-long program to you know, learn all these skills and practice in a supportive environment. It's why I speak because I am the teacher, right? Whether it's an hour on stage and then you, you know, come connect with me in some way on social or through my emails, you do need a guide. And this is, um, I guess, why I talk about emotional health as a skill, self-care as a skill, you know, self-acceptance, all these things that I had to learn, you know, and if you go to happier.com or anywhere, if you search my name, you'll find these videos or interviews with me where I'm like, these are skills we should be teaching in school and in college and we're not. And, Hmm. you know, I, I think these are skills without which we truly cannot live in meaningful life as adults. And, so yes, I think you need a teacher, but you can find teachers in different ways. But you know, teachers are in books. You know, many people consider me their teacher and I've never met them, right? They get my weekly emails or they watch my videos or they've come to my talks. You know, again, we've developed the business of happier are different teaching programs, right? Companies bring me in. We work with companies like one great example is we work with a company, SAP Concur, huge company, 8,000 employees. We have a multi-year partnership with them. All of their employees from the top executives to, you know, the most junior employees are going through our happier work program this year. Next year, we're taking two skills at a time. We have virtual trainings, in-person trainings, right? The reason I say all this is, yes, these are skills. And that's, if there's one thing that I want to be like, want to like stand on rooftops and yell about is the biggest shift was recognizing this isn't magic. This isn't some people have it, other people's don't. These are skills. The bigger why connecting to your sense of meaning is a skill you can cultivate. Self-compassion is a skill you can cultivate. Emotional health, which leads to you being emotionally aware, mature, and connected so you can do all these awesome things is a skill you can cultivate. This is my entire life and career and what I will be doing for the rest of my life is reframing these as skills gives you the opportunity to practice and improve. And we don't have to wait for magic. We don't have to go to breakdown. We don't have to do radical things. Um, So yes, we need teachers, but we can find teachers in many places and books online, people like me, so many others. But the, the first thing that has to happen is the mindset shift around this is a skill. It's not something I should have. It's not something that magically some people have. It's a skill. And once we reframe it as a skill, we give ourselves the opportunity to go practice, learn, and improve. And this is why the thing you'll hear probably the most coming out of my mouth is emotional health as a skill. It's a leadership skill. Bigger why is a skill, self-compassion. These are all their leadership skills, their life skills, their entrepreneur skills. And once we make that mindset shift, it opens up the opportunity for us to go find the teachers and wherever they are, because we're then looking to practice, learn, and improve versus some magic dramatic shift. So I want to get into a little bit the the business side of this, because mm-hmm. there are certainly if you just go online or even turn on you know Netflix and look at documentaries and stuff, there's just a countless 
amount of gurus out there, people that talk about happiness, motivation, people that offer classes, workshops, talks, podcasts, you name it. Yet you were able to redesign this company uh, a few years ago. And in a pretty short period of time, you're talking about right now doing a, a corporate engagement with a company with 8,000 employees. I mean, that's yeah. a huge, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a, it's, a, it's a huge opportunity, big contract, a lot of work. So can you talk a little bit about the first steps you took toward redesigning the company and, mm-hmm. and how you were able to attract those customers and why you think you were able to stand out from the crowd of all these experts that we see out there? Mm-hmm. No, and it's a great question. And the first thing I just want to say, because I really want to be um, transparent, you know, if you search videos of me, you'll also hear me talk. There's just too much entrepreneurship porn out there. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is like, oh, I had an idea and then it was amazing. And I had a thousand customers and everything was happy. Um, no, it's been really difficult and a huge challenge. And I had so much fear, so mm-hmm. much fear and so much doubt, even Though I knew that this method that I developed worked for me, I didn't know if I could build a business around it for the reasons you said, right? There's so much on mindfulness and happiness and emotional health. And again, I, you know, I keep saying this, you know, as a Russian Jew, my voice of doubt is really strong, right? So like, who am I to do this? Am I special enough? Mm -hmm. So I just want to acknowledge that all of that was there. Uh, But there were a couple things that I really focused on and were really kind of my guide. The first was, so what did I do? Once I kind of made the decision that, you know, I'm not quitting life and going into the cave and hiding from everything. By the way, I thought about this as a serious option. I just want to be really clear about this. Um, when you're in a dark place, you think of these are as realistic options. So once I kind of made the decision and once I went, I, so I, the first thing I want to say, I took about 18 months Uh, almost completely off. And I want to just acknowledge that I know not everyone can do that. I'd worked really hard. So we had savings. Mm -hmm. I have a husband um, who has a salary. I recognize it is not a possibility for everybody else. So I just want to be really open about that. Mm -hmm. But I had built the ability for me to take 18 months and essentially not work. And by the way, every month in those 18 months, I try to get back to it Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't flow because I wasn't ready. I hadn't done the inner work yet. But when I was kind of back and ready, speaking was the first thing that I started doing. And by the way, I had one speaking agent who then disappeared on me. And he was a pretty famous speaking agent. Um, so just recognize, I just want to be really open that there were so many bumps in the road and so many difficult moments. But I started to speak. And what happened at the speaking was people would line up and they'd be like executives or leaders And they'd be like, what do you have for a team? I want to bring this to my team. And I'm an entrepreneur like you guys. I got really tired of saying nothing. And so I said, okay, we have to create a program to bring to companies. That's where Happier at Work came from. It came from my seeing a need from these people that would come to my talks. They kept asking me, what do you have for teams, right? At the same time, I also started looking at the research, and the research is crazy, right? 85% of American employees are either stressed or overwhelmed. Only 25% are engaged with their jobs, on and on and on, right? So there's a burnout epidemic. There's a crisis of engagement. So the research was, it, it was obvious to me that there's a market for this. Um, I think there's some entrepreneurs that start companies to fit a market need. I am someone who I start companies that uh, teach what something that worked for me, but there was obviously a market need, and I kept being asked for it. So then we had our first couple clients for happier work and we I developed these workshops that we would teach these skills in person and immediately the kernel there and this goes to the differentiation 
And it was again back to what I said. It is that the entire approach and my entire philosophy was this is a skill. So it's not about come in and inspire people and leave. It's there are mindset shifts we have to make. One of them is that this is a skill. And here are five core skills that underneath it. And everything is about these one to two minute tangible individual practices, team practices, leadership practices. And that approach, treating it as a skill to practice, continue, and learn, you could see it was resonating. It was impacting teams. It's something that people could do. And I just want to weave in from our previous question into this. So I've always been a really creative person. I paint. That's also, I, I had never allowed myself to paint, by the way. So I've only been painting for the same three, four years. But I've always been really creative. Like I created like really cool gifts for people. Like for my parents' uh, 25th anniversary, I created a custom board game for uh-huh. them. Just like that's my, I, like really creative. I own it and I love it. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> but what I never found a way to connect that to my work. Well, what I've realized is, a lot of my creativity is I'm able to synthesize a huge amount of information and then make it highly actionable. So these workshops I created, these practices, I was applying my strength. Remember what gives us meaning? Connecting our strengths to serving others. So my strength of being able to be that creative person who can do that was now part of my work. And so that really is what differentiates us. That's what differentiates us now. That was from the moment... It was complete mindset shift around emotional health as a skill. It is a leadership skill. It is a core skill. It is a non-negotiable skill to develop if you want to be at your best at work and in life. Um, So that's our huge differentiator and that our entire approach is about teaching these science-backed, highly actionable, short one to two to five minute practices so you don't have to go on a big retreat. You don't have to dramatically change your life. You weave these practices into your busy day. So that's, that's our differentiator. And the other is really the way that I define happiness and emotional health. And the huge piece of that is that it doesn't mean being positive all the time. That was a huge breakthrough for me personally, and it's a huge breakthrough for people and companies and teams we work with. And that is that, you know, we are not meant to feel good all the time. You may not want to hear this, but it's true. And we waste an incredible amount of our emotional energy fighting with our quote unquote negative emotions, trying to not feel them, trying to escape them. And yet research shows when you allow yourself to feel difficult feelings, you get through them with uh, less intensity in a shorter amount of time. Uh, And so making that's a huge mindset shift that I teach that is part of our workshops that are part of our skills that it's not about being positive all the time, that true emotional health is really the skill of learning how to embrace all of your different emotions as a human being, which is why I burnt out, which is what I never learned how to do, which most of us don't learn how to do. And so it's really those things that have differentiated us. It's so the approach focusing on emotional health as a skill, teaching it in a highly practical, actionable uh, manner. That's been the huge differentiator. And that's how, you know, we've built it over the last couple of years, one client at a time, one talk at a time. And the the other thing I would say is um, one of the things that I discovered is um, the speaking is a fantastic way for me to teach. It's also an incredible way for us to market what we do, right? And it's only that thing because it's so natural for me and I love it so much and I give it so much, right? So discovering and understanding that as essentially a a marketing channel has been a really important learning. And then there's a lot of tangible things that resulted out of that, right? You come to happier.com, you cannot miss the speaking stuff. That's on purpose. 
We know that resonates with people. We know that leaders will often book me for a talk and then they'll do more of the program, right? So my point is that once we recognize that this is what's working to build a business, we made lots of tangible, small changes so that, okay, this is the thing that you encounter. You know, I went and I'm represented by Harry Walker, one of the top two agents in the world. They're based in New York, actually. You know, they represent people like the Clintons and, you know, like really incredible humans. And, you know, so that's another channel through which speaking um, gets booked. So I'm just giving you some tangible mm -hmm. examples. But it's really about having a very differentiated approach that is highly practical and tangible. And it is understanding where the natural marketing channels are. And the last thing I'll say is I do not use the word marketing. I'm only like using it here because it's common vernacular. Mm -hmm. I never felt good saying marketing myself or marketing the business. It just didn't sit right with me. And then I realized that it's not about marketing. It's about sharing with the world how you want to help. And that is what I mean by marketing. Well. I'm doing this podcast to do that. The reason I'm doing this podcast is to share with the world how I can help. That's, that's my bigger why. Yeah, and selfishly, we really appreciate it. I'm sure audience does. I, I know we only started scratching the surface here today, Natalie, and I, I broke the cardinal rule of interviewer. And I, I usually, you know, when you're when you're interviewing somebody on a podcast, you're as a host, you have to keep a bunch of mind, you know, what's the next question? Uh, how do I synthesize what somebody just said? But I was just really into what you were talking about. So I was really the listener this whole time. <laughs> and I'm going to go back and listen to this episode for sure, because there was a lot of amazing takeaways. I think there's so many people that want to improve themselves. That's why it's a massive market, but they don't know where to start. They don't even necessarily know how to truly feel that level of awareness where you can start to chip away at moving um, away from the should thinking from, um, you know, actually getting to a point where you are okay with being kind to yourself, where you allow yourself to truly do that. Because a lot of people say that, but in practice, I think it's difficult. And you already, I think, gave people some starting points for, you know, trying to find ways to get inspired through maybe the content you consume, the teachers that you could connect with either in real life or even through the internet, somebody that you might want to emulate. And that alone sounds like a good starting point. So um, I guess just to close up, if you had like a 30 second, you know, closing statement that you wanted to impart on our audience, uh, I think there was already so much here that has been imparted by them. But what would you want to say as a closing word? And again, I encourage people to find out more about what Natalie does and her work at happier.com. Very simple uh, domain. You won't forget it. We'll put it in the show notes, of course. But what would be your parting words with our audience? You know what? I think I would say this, and I think it's a theme that we've touched on a lot. I think I would say that we live in a very um, cerebral world, right, where we analyze a lot, we think a lot, there's a lot of science and research, research and all of that is really wonderful. But if you look back at my story, I talked a lot about feelings and learning to hear my feelings, feel my feelings, understand. And so the thing that I would say is feelings belong on your journey. Um, feelings are your guide in a way. And so pay attention to how you feel. If something feels good, pay more attention to that. Ask yourself, why does this feel good? Is this a way Am I feeling a sense of meaning? Is this something I should do more of, right? And so that's, I guess, would be my thing. And it's funny, I don't actually think I've said this until now. Like, you know, I've done a lot of interviews and podcasts, but it's just something that's really become clear to me as I've been talking to you is that a big part of my journey was 
emotional awareness and becoming emotionally aware and kind and um, sensitive to myself and not putting my feelings um, on the back burner. And so pay attention to how you feel. Your feelings are your guide. Don't underestimate them. Don't judge them. Don't make them always so secondary to the data, the analysis, the balance. It's integrating, I guess, your thoughts and your ideas and what you're learning with how you feel is, I think, the recipe to help you create the most meaningful company, product, journey that you can. That's incredible. Thank you so much. Your feelings are your guide. I love that. That'll be a quote that we put up on Instagram. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Natalie Colgan of happier.com. Thanks so much, Natalie, for your time. Uh, We appreciate it. We hope that we get to cross paths again very soon. Uh, because you know, not only do we love the fact that we're seeing someone uh, succeed and share their uh, words of wisdom and actually follow their passion, uh, but that it's also a former Soviet immigrant like ourselves. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so great to connect to you guys. It's an honor. Thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing your listeners with me and me with your listeners. 